0: Welcome back, Fight Fans, to The Big Fight Reaction. This is your go-to place to talk about and listen to our thoughts and opinions on Joshua Boazzi beating Craig Richards over the weekend, David Benavidez destroying David Lemieux, and all of the rest of the action from across Friday and Saturday just gone. Johnston, as always, it's a pleasure to be sitting down discussing this weekend's reaction show. And we've got to start at the top of the show with Joshua Boazzi and Craig Richards. That was our big fight preview. That was the main fight we wanted to discuss. What are your initial reactions to that performance from both Boazzi and Richards? Because I felt like it was a really highly competitive fight. I really enjoyed it.
1: It was really highly competitive and, and it, uh, really enjoyable. Um I, I echo those thoughts. It was fascinating throughout. Uh, and I thought Joshua, as we predicted, would... Be the fast starter and Craig Richards is a slow starter. I mean, they highlighted that right at the end of the fight that Craig Richards for some reason just starts slow. It's just in his DNA, I suppose. Unfortunately, that was due that was his downfall because um, Boazzi, um established quite a comfortable lead. Um, pretty much. I mean, I know Bellu gave him it what six rounds. I think the first six rounds straight up. I think it's probably a bit harsh. I think Craig at least won one of those. But bearing in mind, I do think Joshua just had the better advantages in terms of his jab. He established his jab a bit better, which is a bit stronger. But Craig was always in the fight, wasn't he? It was a very close fight, but I agree with the judges' scorecards for once.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I do. And at the end of the fight, I, I said to my wife I was watching it with, and I said... This is the 116, 112 card for me. I think, you know, Joshua Barazzi's, Joshua Boazzi's won at least eight of the rounds here, in my opinion. And when the first card came out and he was 116, 112, I was like, yeah, I'm happy with that. And then the 115, 113 cards on the other two judges' scorecards, I think were quite reasonable. I've got no objection to them cards whatsoever. They made it a little bit closer, only a tiny bit closer. But ultimately, I think Joshua Borazzi had that skill and ability, as we discussed in the preview, to be able to make that fight. Easier at times for him. He did make it easier at times for him. I enjoyed watching his punch selection, his shot selection, his movement was pretty good. You know, he's he shown that he had a really decent chin because he took some really good right hands from Richards, who we have seen has hurt other people before with that same right hand. So, any question marks over Buatzi's chin prior to that fight, I think, have, have probably been answered at this moment in time. Obviously, if he comes in against a bigger puncher in the light heavyweight division could be a different story but I consider Craig Richards to be quite a a strong puncher within that division so the only other puncher that I think might give him a lot of problems would be Biterbiev because he's a monster puncher he's not just a puncher he's a monster puncher so I think that's the only other guy I think you know questions would be asked of of Buatzi's chin as to whether he can take it or not but let's not get too far ahead of ourselves this was a great performance from Joshua Boazzi and from Craig Richards now Let's move on to where this now leads to going forward because this is where the exciting talk comes into play for us. You know, we had the pre-fight, post-fight interview, should I say, and they were talking about, like, what's next. Now, Eddie Hearn's talking about the fact that Canelo looks likely to fight Triple G in the unification, undisputed fight for the super welterweight crowns, a super welterweight, super middleweight crown, should I say, that he holds at the moment. And if that's the case, then it looks like the natural route for Joshua Buatsi is to challenge Dimitri Bivol which is what Eddie Hearn mentioned in the interview straight after the fight, which is Boazzi ready for it, Johnston? It's a good question.
1: Um, no, I suppose people will look at the Craig Richards and Bivol fight and say, well, Richards gave him a, a relatively tough fight. Um, again, I don't believe it was necessarily Craig Richards' that um, forced his way into that fight, are, are, for me, watching it back, with Bivol just took his foot off the gas because he's that good. You know, he is that good. And the only other person in this division is Beterviev. I mean, you've got Ramirez and Smith. That's, they're the two other guys. And obviously, Smith Jr., as in Callum Smith and Joe Smith Jr. But honestly, I think it's a step too far. I think he still needs another domestic clash. And we have got so many fighters in, in the light heavyweight division that could potentially derail um, Boazzi's career and I think he needs those fights and I mean the one straight away that jumps out at me is Anthony Yard I don't see why they don't fight you know they're both sitting in around that top 10 in in many people's eyes for the light heavy in the light heavyweight division and I think they need to fight each other at this point this is the perfect time for Anthony Yard and Joshua Boazzi I don't I don't agree with what People's views were on the zone where they sort of mentioned that this is the number one and two. I still don't believe that because I think Anthony Yard definitely has a huge say in it. And and for me, I mean Craig Richards, I think um, I hate to say it, but Tony Belly made a great shot with Craig Richards taking on Lyndon Arthur. I think that's another good fight for, for, for Craig. But there are names out there. I mean Callum Johnson's another one as well. But for me, I would love to see Boatzi Yard and then the winner at an eliminator. Uh, I know, obviously, we've got some problems with the promotional side of things. Where will will Frank Warren and will Eddie work together, and what, what 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 sort of show would it be on? But look, they've had discussions, didn't they? I mean, Frank Warren came out publicly and said they need to start working together. They need to work together and get that fight on, because I think the winner of that really deserves his shot after that. I don't think Boaz is ready and I think um, he, he's going to fall short if he fought Bivol next.
0: It's a good point. Very well-made points. Very valid points indeed. And I wonder, you know, what people do think of, of of that sort of route that you're suggesting. I think that's a good route for him to go down and I think it would be the perfect time for him to fight Anthony Yard. They're talking about Anthony Yard fighting the winner of Beterbiev versus Joe Smith Jr. That seems to be the direction that Warren's taking Anthony Yard. But why wouldn't you want to take Boazzi versus Yard as a huge domestic clash? Yes, there are promotional issues attached to it, of course, but you know they managed to make Dillian White and and Tyson Fury work, so why would they not try to make something like this work? It'd be a case of they could go to Perspids if they need to, and Matchroom and Queensbury will will bid for it, and whoever gets it, gets it, very much like Fury versus White. Whoever goes for it and, and puts the highest bid in could go for it, but it, again, it's it's because of the routes that they're looking to take. Eddie Hearn's trying to steer him towards WBA title and Frank Warren's trying to steer Yard to WBO title. So, po- politics being politics, I think that's probably more logical that that's the route that they're, they're all going to take. But, for us, as, as fans, we would rather see these two get it on now, Boazzi versus Yard. I think from a promotional aspect, they'd rather see whether their men, their fighters, could get their respective titles before they're making it a bigger fight i, I understand See, that's that co- where
1: we've got problems that's that's it? the problems I sean that's where we always fall apart with that where we're trying to wait for someone to have a belt because that one will earn more money than the other If that at this moment in time they are very close to each other it's a 50 50 fight it should be 50 50 down the middle there's a big argument for either fighter to win this fight just get the fight on, and then they can win a title, and then they can have a rematch. I don't see what the big deal is in having rematches, Sean. I mean, I I think you, you, what you're going to have is you're going to have both of them lose, and then that fight all of a sudden isn't really worth much. It's not worth as much as it would be now. I don't yeah. get
0: it. Yeah, yeah, that, that that's a good point as well, and so well, it's a well-made point again because I'd like to see it now personally, but I honestly think like you just interjected there and mentioned why can't they do that. You're right, like it's logical that they'll just do what they want to do to try and get their titles. And, I mean, we did our Boxing Promoters episode for our patrons of the podcast, a patron-only episode that that has gone out there. And in that episode, we were talking about the fact that Queensbury Promotions, Frank Warren, technically only has one world champion across all these fighters, and that is Tyson Fury. And that is only if he remains as champion and continues to fight. If he decides to completely retire, and that gets officially announced... Frank Warren's going to have no champions. So, Frank Warren's going to want to try and get himself a champion in his stable. And that, you know, him pushing forward, Anthony Yard pushing forward for a fight for the WBO, whoever that may be against, that might be the route they want to go down rather than taking this fight. But we'll see. We'll see how it pans out. But let's not forget about Craig, as you just mentioned, a great fight. Craig Richards, Lyndon Arthur, I think both of these guys... You know, need a, a really good fight to bounce them back to put them right in the picture. Because you think about Lyndon Arthur beating Anthony Yard in the first fight, Anthony Yard getting revenge in the rematch. Now that's left Lyndon Arthur out in the cold a little bit because he seemingly looked like he was pushing on for the verge of a world title shot. This fight between Richards and Arthur would be a great addition to to a card stacked with with many great fights. I think. They might even put it as a headline event. I think it's more likely to be a, a, a sort of chief support fight the way I see it. But I think it's a great fight for both of them. And I think both of them at this point of their careers, they need that fight. The alternative is like Callum Johnson as well. You know, Callum Johnson's like one of the most inactive fighters for various reasons out, outside of the ring as to why he's not fighting, you know, fights are not happening, he's not getting the the opportunities he needs, he's he's cracking on as well, I'm forgetting he's cracking on in age, so Richards versus Johnson, maybe, you know, you could have Richards versus Smith, or Yard versus Smith, or... Uh, you could even look at all the other fights that are out there. Callum Smith is another name that's now been thrown into the mix that we've not really sort of focused on because you know he's predominantly been at super middleweight. So where does he fit into this picture? Does he get an opportunity because of his previously elevated status as a champion?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, just just going back to what you're saying there with Lyndon Arthur and the Craig Ridges fight, that would be a chief support for me, for Yabu Atsi. I mean, you could have you could have a great night. It would be a fantastic night at the O2. In my head, that's what I can see. But yeah, Callum Smith and Callum Johnson, Um, I mean, I mean, if anything, they're two fellas you could stick I mean, you could have an amazing light heavyweight night in the O2. You know, Frank and Eddie can be walking to the bank earning a, a, a shitload of money. I know they have to produce... You know, you can't stick them all on one show. But definitely have, like, Arthur and Richards as a chief support to a Yabarazzi fight. What what a great card that is. Just them two fights alone, you know what I mean? And they can earn a lot of money from that. But, yeah, Callum Smith, I mean, Gilberto Ramirez. I know Ramirez is, is targeting Bivol because he wants Bivol. But, I mean, Ramirez-Smith, you know, that, that's a potential yep. for a good fight That I could see that happening. I don't see why not. And then you've got Smith Jr. Everyone sort of, we sort of are... Suggesting that Batyrjev beats Smith Jr. I, I think he probably does, but I am not going to discredit Smith Jr. He is one of my favourite fighters. I, I've said it many times, and he has the ability to beat Batyrjev. But you know, I mean, it's so we've got so many names. I mean, yeah, had Jean. I mean, Jean Pascal went on one weekend, so yep. a shock win, but he got the win. He's put himself back in there as a name, you know. So someone could potentially be looking at jean pascal you know with are bringing him over here or you know and that could be a perfect fight for luck like of callum smith um callum smith surely should be looking at probably the loser or even the winner of baturvy smith because he is ranked highly so i suppose those guys sort of the top four top five fighters are out on their own because in the rest you've got your pascals you've got your browns your baratzis your barreras yard richards sort of they should all be competing against each other for the right to fight one of those in those top four, top five. I mean, we've got Smith Junior and we've got Patervia, which is great. Why not have a Callum Smith and a Ramirez, and then Bivol? You know, picks up one of the winners from there to unify a title in this division. Um, like, it's it's a tricky one. I mean, Patervia for me is the man to beat because he's just so he's like a he's just a different animal, isn't he? He's a big hitter. He's a great fighter to watch because you know what to expect from him. So a lot of people will probably targeting Bivol because he isn't that much of a bigger puncher, but we've seen that he can hit and he can box against Canelo, so there's, there's an argument for both fighters there to be the top two of the division but Callum Smith, it's a tricky one, where does he go? He's sort of in those, I think Ramirez for me, Sean.
0: Well, I'm going to say this, the light heavyweight division is very exciting at the moment, both domestically and internationally. Light heavyweight division for me at the moment is, is, is really, it's it's whetted my appetite for the fights that we could potentially see. And a lot of it is, obviously, fantasizing from our side as fans wanting to see these great fights. But the names that you fire off there, they're all high-quality names, either champions, former champions, title contenders. There is a huge market for a world boxing super series in the light heavyweight division. I mean, imagine that just imagine, imagine the Sourlands just coming out and saying, you know what? We're back for another season. We're going to have the light heavyweight tournament this time round. And we're going to have these names in it. Imagine that an, an eight man tournament, uh, that would be amazing in the light heavyweight division. And again, it's just me getting a little bit overexcited about the prospects of something like that. But I'm just making the point of the light heavyweight division being a really go-to division at this moment in time with the quality, especially us as UK fight fans. We've got a lot of quality there you know that can that could potentially be world champions going forward so it is exciting as well from that perspective but overall as a division it's it's quite an exciting division at the moment so you know I've really I really enjoyed seeing the fights that we've seen so far and, and the potential fights that are that are going to happen over the next 18 months to 2 years so that was our headline event then Johnston for the big fight preview But before we talk about that undercard, I want to switch straight over to the USA. And we mentioned about David Benavidez being sort of the natural challenger to Canelo Alvarez. And we said he needed a a decent name on his record, a a more than decent name on his record. And David Lemieux was the man who he fought over the weekend. And he absolutely bludgeoned him. He absolutely (laughs) dominated David Lemieux. We knew David Lemieux was a little bit past his best. But he was still at that level where you know, if you take a victory in emphatic fashion over him, it makes a statement, and to me, you made a really big statement beating him in that fashion, whether you think he's over the hill or not, that just solidifies my thoughts and feelings on Benavidez as, as the sort of the natural selection to, to fight Canelo Alvarez, I know it looks like he's fighting Triple G, and obviously the money is going to be in that particular fight, but... David Benavides for me is is the natural successor to to the super middleweight division. Should Canelo Alvarez stick around, move up, move down, whatever, but surely at some point Benavides has got to get a title shot.
1: He does. He does. I mean, he absolutely demolished Paul Lemu. Lemu looked so small, didn't he? And and I'm telling you now, Benavides was easily light heavyweight and I, I we're talking about how, how great the light heavyweight division is at the moment. I mean, benevit is only 25 years of age. He will become a light heavyweight for sure. I'm almost certain of it. He's just such a big guy. I think that's the one thing about... David Benavides is for me when I watch him, you know, when he does phrase combinations, it is effortless and he does look great and I get the hype around it. But for me, I still, I, it's, it's more of his imposing size and his imposing figure as a super middleweight, a bit like what Callum Smith was like, where he was just bigger than the rest. And therefore, it's, you know, you find that fighters don't really have much of a chance. So I can understand where people look at that Saul Canelo Alvarez fight. And they think that Benavides is just going to be too big and too strong because Obviously, Bivol showed that. But Benavidez, for me, isn't as good as a Bivol, technically. And I don't think he's as strong as him either. So, it's interesting. I mean, he's 25 years of age. I think, for me, Benavidez, after he absolutely wiped the floor with Paul Lemieux. And I thought it was going to be over in the first round, to be fair. I think even the commentator got a little bit too excited, didn't he? And he was screaming, saying, (laughs) it's over, it's over. And it wasn't. The referee was just stopping it uh, for the end of the round. But Benavidez and Caleb Plant. I mean, Plant, uh, he lost to Canelo. um, It's still a way in for him. And I think, for me, the next stepping stone for someone like Benavides is to take on a Caleb Plant. I know him and Andre would be a good fight, but it just doesn't seem like that's ever going to happen. Whether they're friends or not, I don't know. You do find that along the way that that, that tends to be a reason. Um So I think that's probably not going to happen anytime soon. And then, obviously, it's like they're all waiting out for the Canelo fight. It's almost yeah. as if, you know, Canelo does run the roost in this division. He's cleaned it up. And uh, it's a matter for him now to fight Golovkin, which it looks like is going to happen, which therefore means that guys like Benavidez and andre are just going to have to bide their time. They're not going to fight each other. So, yeah, Benevites plant makes a, a, a great realistic fight. And then um, Danny Jacobs is also in there. I know he lost to John Ryder. John Ryder may be one of those against an Andre. Um I'm not quite sure how it's going to work out, but... Again, it's interesting. It's just the fact that everyone's sort of waiting in the wings for Canelo. And I think that, if anything, that, that, that derails fights. You know, you need to keep active, especially after Benavides has literally just done with Lemus so easily. I think he should be out rather soon because he didn't get hurt in any way in that fight, did he? So I think he should be out and be active and he could finish the year with another two or three fights.
0: And, and as I say, I think plant formation. I don't know about you, mate. Plant's a good fight. Plant's a great fight with Benavides. That will certainly. Well, it'll tell people where Benavides is at if he was successful in that exactly. fight. Exactly. But Plant Plant is, you know, Plant is still young enough. He's still a, not not too dissimilar in age from Benavidez to have that hunger and desire to want to be a champion in the division again. People think because he's lost to Canelo, you know, oh that's it, that automatically sends him right down the pecking order. It doesn't. Outside of Canelo in the super middleweight division, the natural fighters are Benavidez and Kayla Plant. They're, they are the two fighters for me in that division that stand out. So them two getting it on would be really then solidifying someone's claim to being the best of that particular division, barring the top man as in Canelo. The natural challenger would come out of that fight if the them two could get it on. So i'd like to see it i'm just i'm just wondering whether it'll be a case of they'll end up taking different routes different fights and maybe they will meet somewhere down the line but as we know because of promotional issues and 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 the usual routes that fighters get put down by the promoters it's a fight that we want to see whether we get to see it or not is is kind of another question but the, the highlight here is, is obviously the fact that Benavidez has destroyed Lemieux and just proven yet again that he's you know, he, he's right up there with the best of them in the super middleweight division. And it's not going to be long before he gets this huge fight. So that was another standout fight from the weekend that I enjoyed. Then, obviously, we go back down to the middleweight division. We had Danny Dignam going over to Las Vegas to challenge for the WBO interim world middleweight title against Zani Beck. I'm only going to pronounce him as Zani Beck because I can never get his surname right. But Beck destroyed him. Absolutely destroyed him in two rounds. And fair play to Dignam. He's shown that he's definitely not at that level. And Beck is, is definitely a force in the middleweight division. And I think, you know, we talk about fighters in certain divisions being natural successes to people. You know, if a Golovkin moves up to fight, which is, is very likely if for any reason he decides to vacate his titles that he currently holds in the middleweight division, or he doesn't, I think Beck would be, again, another Kazakhstan who's naturally ready for that type of a fight. So I'm curious to see sort of where he goes. And there was one fighter on that card I completely forgot was fighting this weekend until I seen it. That was Jamel Herring. He actually got a unanimous decision defeat on his record. And as a result of that defeat, he's decided to call it a day in boxing, which... You know, to be fair to what he's done in his life outside of the ring, and if you don't know his story, please go and check it out. But for what he's done outside of the ring and then to what he was able to achieve inside the ring, you know, he moved up to the lightweight division hoping maybe for one more run for a world title and he lost to a undefeated fighter in Jermaine Ortiz over the weekend and he's decided to, to call time on his career and fair play to him. I think he was at that age where it was starting to to come to an end if he wasn't able to progress on in the lightweight division, and I think he's he's realised that he's you know he's that's it for him. He wants to spend time with his family. Uh, I think he, he he's achieved more than maybe what most thought he could in his career. So that was another sort of highlight of the weekend, and then going back to Friday's card. Kerman Legiraga, James Metcalf. James Metcalf getting the decision in Spain against Legiraga. That was another highlight for me of this weekend just gone. What did you think about the fact that James Metcalf went to Spain and actually got the decision over Kerman Legiraga? Oh,
1: so, oh, just proud of the guy um, to, to go over to Belbow as well and get a UD. We see um, Martin Boccoli. Summer, I get a, a majority decision over Tali Yoko over after absolutely pounding the living crap out of him. And yet, uh, Metcalf boxed well. He put, the one thing I will say, put Le Giraga down. I mean, it was clear to me. I see the it for me. It's a knockdown. He's caught him on the head and he's gone down. But referee decided it wasn't a knockdown. It uh, was completely a knockdown. So it probably would have been a wider scorecard than it was. But I was impressed with Metcalf. And out of Metcalf and Danny Digham I think it was inevitable that Metcalf was the one you were more... He had more of a chance, uh, and the one thing I did worry about with him going to Spain against Les Giraga was the fact that, will he get a decision? I, I was under no illusions that he would survive it as well, because Les has, you know, since his um, defeats to Avianzian, he's no longer become that feared, and, uh, and fighters have worked him out. He was bulldozing guys for fun, wasn't he? He was really enjoyable to watch. And then since then, he it just hasn't, um, you know, he's it, just not looked like the same fighter. Um, another f- David Avianzian does that to guys. I mean, I think he's sort of done it to Josh Kelly, done yep. it to Legeraga, and James Metcalf. He, he took advantage of that. He fought superbly well. I've got to give him his dues. He was tremendous. I'm um, really, really, really pleased for him. And to go to Spain and get it. I mean, we said it in make or break fighters. For, for poor Danny Dingham, who got absolutely brutalized in two rounds, I'm not quite sure what you learned from that because he was down in the first. It was just almost, I suppose, what what does he take from it? It's tough. Um, I mean, that's one thing I pointed out. You're going to learn more in these defeats or wins than anything. Uh, I think Metcalf took a lot more from the Legeraga win than what poor Danny Dingham did in his fight. But, you know, two guys having the bullets to go overseas and challenge these guys. And look, Metcalf is, is reaping the rewards now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, James Moorcraft was on that card in Spain as well, and he fe- faced a fellow undefeated fighter, or a, a fellow fighter at a similar level, in John Miguez, and he-, he got stops as well in his fight, which was a shame for him. Uh, Rhiannon Dixon, uh, also a fighter from the UK, trained under Anthony Crawler, she got the victory on that particular card as well, and I wanted to sort of flip it back to the Boazzi Richards card, because obviously we had the opportunity to watch quite a few of them fights on the card, and and there was a few talking points that I wanted to sort of bring back into this conversation regarding this weekend, and the first one was Alan Babich and Adam Balski, and what was a, a torrid, a torrid, brutal affair, and it just, again, it solidified my opinion in my mind that Alan Babich is shit, and I don't think he is is going anywhere in this sport. And I'll be very surprised if he was able to win a world title, even in this bridge weight division that we've talked about and is now in play. He wants Oscar Rivas now. I think he got pretty bloody lucky in this fight. And to be honest, I didn't enjoy watching him. People enjoy... That sort of all-action style. Don't get me wrong, I've I've watched many fighters and we've watched many fighters throughout history that that we've enjoyed watching have an all-action style. But there was just no technique from him. He was just trying to bulldoze his way through Balski who weren't having any of it. And he got put down on his ass in the first round. Then Balski was deducted one point for throwing a punch after the bell in the ninth, which literally nearly knocked Babich out. And I was honestly surprised he even was able to weather the storm in the 10th round after that. But I hate to be so overly critical of fighters sometimes because these guys have got the bollocks to go in the ring and do this for a living. But I just... They hype him up so much. Like, he's the next best thing. Like, he's, you know, he's going to be the next best thing since sliced bread, that that old cliche saying, but he's shit. I can't, I can't help but say he's shit. He hasn't got the technique. He's, you know, if he becomes a champion, it will be because the people around him are also very poor.
1: And that's exactly right. I mean, I mean don't get me wrong. Babbage and, uh, Bowski they they produced the war, I suppose. It was well it was, it was quite brutal at times when you was watching it. And that when Bowski did catch him after the bell, that was literally the he might as well just hung his chin out there and said, Go, just (laughs) smash me one, right on my chin. And he staggered back to his corner and he was staggering around in that last round at one point. And it looked like, for me, I thought Bowski should have gone for the kill He had a point deducted. He was losing the fight, even though he did put him down in the first round. I thought he should have just put the pressure on because Babich looked in all sorts of trouble. But then, be you know, let's be fair to him. He managed to to recover sort of halfway through that last round. And then he caught Bowski again. So, you know, it's entertaining in terms of you know, the, the level of the the power in their shots, you know, they're, they're really loading up on each other and trying to knock each other out. But as you say, in terms of skill, there was there's no skill involved in it at all. It's almost like a street fight. And, and Babic <laughs> yeah. is one of, he, he is that type of guy. Like the people, I heard of the commentary sort of saying that's how he trains, you know, he just trains like that. But, you know, if you're in his corner, you must be pulling your, your hair out. Well, obviously not his hair because he ain't got any, but they must be like, I mean, what do you do with this guy? He just wants to fight. That's all he wants to do. And in, in, inevitably, you know what's going to happen. As, as you have rightly pointed out there, Sean, he's going to come a cropper. And someone a bit bigger and a bit stronger than Balski is going to literally wipe the floor with him very, very quickly. Um, and as you say, unless they continually direct him in the right way and, and manage to, I don't know, fight a lot of other fighters like Balski into a position where he can win a world title bridge of weight then maybe that's his only route but still yeah I'm, there's no way this guy's going to be world champion he ain't going to do it at bridge of weight he's not going to do it at light heavy or cruiser weight or or every weight. he's not going to do it in any other weight seriously he's just a fun guy to watch
0: well, the valid points that I can only agree with you on that on that, Johnston, with about regards to Babich. But let's just move on then to Chantel Cameron getting a great victory over Victoria Noella, Bustos, a great unanimous decision victory. It looked very dominant throughout the fight. The talk of Kelly Reese was there, but apparently, you know, they can't seem to make this deal, so they're looking at alternatives. So I am I, I am interested to see what sort of happens next. I wanted to fight Reese and unify this complete division, become undisputed champion, as we said in the in the preview for that fight. I think she either takes the Reese fight or Reese takes the Cameron fight or you know she looks at the alternatives of, of, of bigger fights and I know you mentioned about her moving up to 147 fighting Jessica McCaskill would be you know would be a great fight for Chantal Cameron as well so I am excited to see where she goes but it was another great performance I think again she just doesn't get out of second gear and it's only when she's in them and big fights that we've seen her in so far where she really does turn it on and that's why many people are of the opinion that she's going to be you know, the natural successor to, to sort of Katie Taylor in terms of that level of, of support and, and what she's doing for transcending the sport of boxing. So, great performance from her, a great performance from Ellie Scottney as well to get a unanimous decision over Maria Cecilia Roman. You know, in her fifth fight, she stepped up a level and she looked great doing it and it was another good, enjoyable fight to watch. Uh, Siobhan Clark, the former Olympian, going to 2-0 and with a TKO in the third round. John Hedges, another exciting light heavyweight prospect going 6-0 with a TKO in the third round there as well. Going back to the Frank Warren card, we've not even mentioned that yet. Brad Foster losing against Balunta in that in that fight. I was very surprised to see Brad Foster lose. I, I honestly thought he would actually go forward and 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 get that victory but he just didn't seem to be himself he didn't he didn't look great he he didn't seem to to box that well in that fight and you know he's now lost the opportunity to win the wbc international super bantamweight title and that was where i thought brad was going to go forward but unfortunately it didn't work out for him but then you look on the undercard of that fight as well and a fellow super bantamweight andrew kane got a great victory to go 10 and 0 to win the wbc international silver super bantamweight titles so you know that kind of sort of could be a a match quite not too far down the line between these two brad foster's picked up another defeat on his record now andrew kane's gone 10 and 0 surely a bit of matchmaking tells you that maybe that could be a good fight for them two next
1: I think so. I think that's exactly it, isn't it? I mean, they're on the same card. I, I obviously, Frank would have would have felt that Foster would have come through his fight. He hasn't, uh, so that that would be, you know, the the right call really. Uh, Andrew Kane um, fighting Foster next. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it is you tend to find that when they, when with Frank cars, when he sort of sticks them on the under, undercard, he does, you know, in the same way, there is a, an idea there for him, um, to, to match him up. And obviously, as I say, Brad Foster would have wanted to have moved on from someone like a cane, but look, I think it makes perfect sense, mate. Um, you know, it's, it's not a hugely stacked division, uh, domestically. I mean, Jason Cunningham is in there, isn't he? Uh, Mark Leach and people like that. But, um, I think uh, I think that makes sense. In house fight, isn't it? It'd be it'd be another Friday night fight down at York call. But I'm re- I'm with you though with Foster. I, I, I caught the fight the next day and uh, on the Saturday, sort of actually no, it's on a Sunday afternoon. And yeah, I just wasn't impressed with him. I, I don't know what was wrong with him. Um, he didn't seem him himself, and he got caught out really. Um, so yeah, bit of a shame for him, but. Um, yeah, it it wasn't, that was the only fight I did see. I didn't see Andrew Kane's fight. It was difficult to maintain, sort of catch out of all these fights. But yeah, the, the, what that was the one fight I did see. But I'm with you. He was, it seemed a bit flat and he didn't see himself. And obviously, I don't know, Maybe he hasn't come out and said anything. He's taken a defeat like a man, like he should do. So um, yeah, we'll, we'll see where he goes from there. But I think the the uh, immediate shout is um, definitely a Kane fight.
0: So, the two Franken brothers, Charles and Joshua, got victories on that card. Raven Chapman, Mickey Burke Jr., Adnan Mohammed, and Sean Noakes all got victories on that card. Just finishing off, then, something you alluded to a little bit earlier about Jean-Pascal getting that victory over the undefeated Fanlong Meng. That was a little bit of an upset, weren't it? Because we expected Fanlong Meng yes. maybe to come through Jean-Pascal, you know, given Pascal for me he's way past his best but he's still got enough in the tank to be able to get a victory over an undefeated fighter so fair play to Pascal getting that victory over the weekend, that like you said earlier about the light heavyweight conversation that sort of puts him out there as a potential opponent for some of these guys that are really looking to move forward for a world title shot, you know, like you said the likes of the Yards, the Buatzis the Richards, the Arthurs, the Callum Smiths, the Callum Johnson, you know these are the types of fights that these guys should be looking at in the interim if they can't get a shot at a world title so you know great name it's a great name on his record for any of them fighters I think if they could do that so that was the other fight that we wanted to mention from the weekend and that is it for this big fight reaction show I haven't got any more thoughts feelings and opinions for for this episode it's been an enjoyable weekend I've enjoyed the, the light heavyweight division in general over the past six to twelve months and it just looks like it's going from strength to strength and Joshua Boazzi For us, he answered a lot of questions and it just proves that, you know, he needs these step-ups and he needs them quick and he needs to be moving on quick in his career, not maybe to the world title shot straight away. The yard fight is the ideal fight for us, but let's just see what happens and how it gets presented to them. It probably will end up being Bivol, it wouldn't surprise me, obviously with Eddie Hearn having both of them, it's an easy fight to make in house, as you mentioned about Frank Warren and his fighters, so let's just see what happens, but... That's my thoughts, feelings, and opinions. Anything more from you, Johnston, before we wrap it up?
1: Oh, just just thinking about Gene Pascal there. I can see him uh, taking on uh, Sullivan Barrera, actually. I think Sullivan was he 40. Um, Pascal, 39. I think you'll have the two old boys having a go at each other. I think that'll probably be his next fight. But, yeah, just great win for him. Um, and it was a good outside bet. But I believe the odds... Uh, someone sent me something, and the odds were really against him um so it was definitely if you put money on jean pascal then uh you definitely was laughing on the way to the bank to be quite honest with you because uh, that would have been a nice little uh earner for you and then i just just to mention Robbie davis jr as we suspected to be a close fight it was a close fight wasn't it? it was probably a bit fortunate to get that split decision um so yeah we did mention where does Robbie davis jr go and i think we're pretty much on them same lines this is where do you go Um, I mean, they're trying to push him on, but let's be honest, he's he's nowhere near close enough to anywhere, any new, any world title. I think they're going to be fight for another interim against someone. But I'm sure he was very disappointed with his performance after. And to be fair, when he watches his back, I think he probably will be and he should be. Uh, So that was my only last thoughts,
0: really. Well, that's it then. got no other thoughts, feelings and opinions for this episode. We are back with a big fight preview for Javonta Davis versus Roly Romero this coming weekend. Spike Sullivan challenges Erislandy Lara also for a middleweight title this coming weekend. Please do check that out as well. Also, check out some of our Lockdown Archive interviews. The most recent one with Mike Goodall, Lord of the Rings, as I call him, is now available to listen to. Please go and check that out. A great interview with Mike during the lockdown period. And that's it, Fight Fans. A final thank you to our patrons of the podcast as well. You guys keep supporting us and keep providing us that financial income to be able to keep going forward with this podcast. So thank you so much, as always, to you guys. And that's it, Fight Fans. You know where to find us at BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. We'll see you for the big fight preview Davis versus Romero.
1: Network.